This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. This is Sharmila Ganesan and Sharad Kutin. Tonight, calls for employers to be held responsible when migrant workers are stranded here. So we'll be hearing from Dato M. Ramachalvan, the Bar Council's Migrants, Refugees and Immigration Affairs Committee co-chairperson. We want to hear from you as well. Should employers be held accountable when migrant workers end up stranded in Malaysia? And have you seen other forms of exploitation of migrant workers? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U mobile number 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08. So the issue of migrant workers being stranded here in Malaysia without jobs, despite being brought in through legal channels, is something that's been reported really widely last year. Um, and recently in November, Malaysia Guinea published a report that highlighted this issue um, of workers being recruited under quotas uh, that were obtained using fake documents. And then they find themselves stuck in Malaysia jobless for months. And, and the key thing being, of course, also not being paid in that time. I'm here. Uh, the report um, also revealed that besides not being paid, they weren't getting enough to eat, um, that NGOs and other charitable organisations had to step in so that they could care for these workers who were now stuck in Malaysia. And this led uh, to uh, a press conference last Tuesday by the Human Resource Minister, Stephen Sim, who called out the employers of these workers who had refused to pay them, refused to pay them. And he did say that moving forward, the Human Resource Ministry's policy would be that any worker being brought into Malaysia must be paid whether or not work had commenced. Um, and then he then added that the 751 Bangladeshi workers who had been brought in uh, but had been promised non-existent jobs in Johor had filed claims of 2.21 million ringgit worth of wages from their employers. Um, and he said that this case is set to be heard uh, on the 5th of February at the Pengarang District Labour Office. So it's very interesting because, you know, I think what the minister is now trying to address is, in fact, the the, the structure of labor recruitment in this country that's been, you know, going on for decades now that have in, in many ways incentivized bad practices. One of those bad practices is to make promises of a job, collect the fees and then, you know, just leave or abandon those workers while, when they come here. Uh, what happens to those workers? Sometimes they, they try to find jobs uh, that are not linked to their actual employment uh, status uh, all kinds of other things. They might end up, in fact, becoming undocumented. All these things happen as a consequence of the fact that employers and agents get to do this. They get to make the money up front and then they have no responsibility when things don't actually pan out. And that incentive structure, I think, is what the minister is trying to uh, undermine or rather... Uh, remove in order that we get a better labour recruitment system. And it's ironic, isn't it? Because, I mean, it's no surprise that actually migrant workers get a really bad rap here in Malaysia. People tend to speak of them uh, in very demeaning terms and speak of them uh, as as largely... Um, 
a nuisance or, you know, something that you have to put up with. But actually, a lot of the problems that uh, that these workers end up, you know, why they may not have the best of living um, arrangements, why they may often be out on the streets, why they seem to be doing jobs that may or may not be legal, a lot of it actually has to do with these recruitment practices and these exploitative um, loopholes. And yet, it often seems like we rarely see the employers or these agents being brought to account. And instead, it's always the migrant workers that end up catching the blame for all of this. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're, I think the implications are for also on, on several levels, right? Because what's, what's happening now is that we've trained a whole generation of business people that they can, in fact, exploit this uh, segment of the working class, essentially. Uh, and, then, and then also we have labor policies that go nowhere, policies that are supposed to think about uh, who we want to recruit and how that uh, will spur the, you know, the economy towards different forms of industrialization or whatever this we have as an objective can be put in place because we now become, uh, through this system of agents and, and uh, I think somewhat corrupt uh, practices, to just be a dumping ground for individuals because the money is made in recruitment, not in actually having these people work within the economy. So the latest um, organization to add their voice to these calls to to essentially hold employers to task to do better with the system was actually the Malaysian Bar Council. And so after this, we'll be hearing from M. Ramachalpam, who is the Bar Council's Migrants, Refugees and Immigration Affairs Committee co-chairperson. Uh, but we want to hear from you. Should employers be held accountable for stranded migrant workers? And have you seen other forms of exploitation of migrant workers here? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bright, formidable media. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.16. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. And we're talking about calls for uh, better protections for migrant workers, particularly uh, for accountability as em- uh, accountability from employers when they end up stranded here uh, without pay and without adequate housing and so on. Um, we want to hear from you. Should employers be held accountable for stranded migrant workers? You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. Joining us now on the line is Datuk Sri M. Ramachalvam, co-chairperson of the Bar Council's Migrant, Refugees and Immigrant Affairs Committee. Um, Rama, good to have you with us. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for having me, Shamila. So the Bar Council is calling for the Labor Department to take responsibility, right, for this issue of migrant workers being stranded here um, and to claim their unpaid wages. Can you give us a sense of how extensive the issue is? Um, What do we know about the numbers that we're talking about? First and foremost, this is an issue of serious concern. Uh, It affects migrant workers. It also affects our international standing of uh, how we treat migrant workers in Malaysia. If you ask me for the numbers, no one really knows. We have seen anecdotal evidence of uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of migrant workers uh, who have been left stranded in our country. Uh, 
Uh, there's been one estimate which says that these numbers can be high as 500,000, but I surely cannot verify these numbers. But I think what we can be quite sure of is that they number in the thousands. Rama, could you just give a follow-up on that? I mean, why has the Bar Council taken this issue up? Well, the Bar Council has always had a committee that uh, looks into issues pertaining to migrant workers and refugees. That is the committee that I chair. And uh, we've always taken up issues pertaining to migrant workers for the last 20-odd years since migrant workers have become an important part of our workforce. And uh, we've also uh, prepared a comprehensive framework on the management of migrant workers, and we have forwarded to the government. Uh, we've also always uh, continuously engaged uh, with uh, missions of source countries uh, but, uh, pertaining to each, uh, the rights of migrant workers. We've also taken up cases pertaining to migrant workers to the courts, labor courts, and uh, the civil courts as well. So it's a matter that we've always been uh, championing. So based on your work in this area then, um, tell us how this issue of being stranded affects the workers themselves. What are the challenges or difficulties they face once they're stuck here? You see, the important point is, is uh, migrant workers who come to Malaysia uh, are dependent on their work permits. And invariably, their work permits are tied to their employers. They cannot independently stay or travel or whatever without, uh, you know, being tied to their work permit. They cannot change employers. They cannot go and work on their own and so on and so forth. So when their employers do not provide them employment, they are stuck in a limbo because of their total dependence on the employer for their right to stay in this country and the right to work. And their right to work is also circumscribed by the work permit to their employers. So when the employers don't provide them work, there's nothing that they can do. They cannot sustain themselves. And this might actually strike people as extraordinary because if we apply that to Malaysians, can you imagine if we were also tied to a particular employer? But I, I want to ask you about the other loopholes that are uh, in the current system that allow foreign workers in particular to be exploited. Can you talk us through some of the problem areas that you notice? You see, the issue here is this. Uh, the definition of wages is for uh, work done. So what the employers have been doing is saying that since we have not provided you with work, therefore you would not be entitled for wages. That's the first issue. The other issue that arises is also this. Uh, the workers, when they come here, there's a waiting period for the work permit to be issued. If the employer does not proceed to process the work permit and obtain the work permit expeditiously, uh, the worker cannot commence his employment. So these are among the other reasons. Uh, these are among the reasons being given by employers not to pay the wages. And obviously there is also the abuse, uh, that, as we have seen. 
employers have brought workers who they do not require. They've been trying to, trying to outsource these workers, which again leads to them not having work and not having pay. So when the employers are, are held to account, they say these workers have not started work, therefore wages are not payable. So that is why the recent uh, decision by the government, uh, the Joint Committee, uh, which was announced by the Minister, Steve Shim, is a very proactive and progressive step on the part of the government to ensure that if you are the employer, you brought the worker, then you are responsible to pay the wages, whether you provided work or otherwise. The worker is ready, willing, and able to work. You have not provided the work to the worker. Therefore, you should be liable to pay the wages. We'll get uh, deeper into Stephen Sims' uh, announcement in a bit, but actually, for those of us who um, don't don't uh, familiar who are, who are not familiar with how all of this works, I mean, what is actually happening here? Why are workers being brought in, uh, and there is a quota that you have to apply for and permits and so on, and then not being given work? I mean, surely that's not a sustainable way for any company to operate. This is obviously an abuse of the system. What this clearly shows, workers being brought in, left stranded without work, shows that employers have been complicit with agents to bring in workers who they do not require, who they do not have jobs for. They are trying to bring in these workers and outsource these workers to other employers. And those employers should be held to account. It's an obvious, uh, what do you call, abuse of the uh, quota approval for migrant workers. Now, as we, as Shamala just mentioned, you know, the Human Resource Minister, Stephen Sim, said that moving forward, the ministry's policy will be that any worker brought into Malaysia must be paid whether uh, there is or isn't work or the work that hasn't, hasn't in fact, commenced. How would you like to see uh, this implemented or enforced? What would be the challenges in doing so? Uh, Sharad, what is required is this. Primarily, there should be strict enforcement of this position taken by the government. They should ensure that workers who are brought in are paid their wages. As, as, as I said, uh, migrant workers uh, differ slightly from local workers. Local workers can go and get a job anywhere. You know, and they can quit a job. They can... Uh, do business, do whatever they want. Migrant workers cannot do this. They are tied to the employers during the period of contract. So therefore, this position taken by the government is the right and correct position. As I said earlier, there should be strict enforcement, and not only enforcement to ensure that uh, they are paid, they must ensure that payment is made. No point dragging them to the labor court uh, and getting a judgment in favor of the worker without the worker actually getting those monies. That is what needs to happen. Number two, as the government has said, uh, there should be uh, uh, blacklisting or 
of these errant employers. They should also they should also lift the corporate veil and uh, ensure that those directors and shareholders will not be allowed to employ migrant workers. Uh, and further, what is required is also strict uh, inspection regime. This is something that is lacking in our country. Uh, we have something like 400 labor inspectors for the entire labor population in our country. That is something that is totally inadequate. Uh, we should increase uh, the human resource of the Human uh, Resources Ministry. That is imperative as well. Uh, before we take a quick break, I did want to ask you about the case that's being reported on that over 700 Bangladeshi migrant workers um, and they filed a 2.21 million ringgit claim for unpaid wages from their employers. Now, the case is going to be heard early next month. From a legal perspective, how strong a case do the workers have? Uh, my view is that they have a case against the employer for the reasons I stated before. They have brought in with a promise of employment. Uh, they have uh, come to our country based on the uh, calling visa issued on behalf of the employers. So the employers should have provided them with work. If they have not provided them with work, then they should pay. Then the workers should be paid their wages that has been promised. Anyway, we will let the court rule based on the law and facts of the case. I, my view, uh, my bottom line view is that they have a case against the employer. Uh, Rama, we do need to take a quick break for the news, but uh, we'll come back to you. We have more questions. Uh, we are speaking with Datuk Sri M. Ramachalvam, co-chairperson of the Bar Council's Migrant, Refugees and Immigration Affairs Committee. And we're talking about um, both the Bar Council as well as a general call for employers to be held accountable for migrant workers who are brought in and then stranded without being paid. We want to hear from you. Should employers be held accountable for this? And have you seen other forms of exploitation of migrant workers here. You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Bribe-free ministers? BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 6.38. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. And we're continuing our conversation on um, employers needing to take responsibility for migrant workers that are brought in and then left stranded with no pay. Um, and we've been asking you for your thoughts. Should employers be held accountable for stranded migrant workers? Send your thoughts through. You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. And we're continuing our conversation with Datuk Sri M. Ramachalvam, co-chairperson of the Bar Council's Migrant, Refugees and Immigration Affairs Committee. Um, Rama, so just to pick up where we left off, we've got a couple of uh, messages from listeners that have come in that I'd like to get you to respond to. Um, so we have firstly Nick saying, the process takes so long, employers apply in advance when it comes and then the work is no more, then there will be redundant workers. The government should improve the process and shorten the lead time. Uh, we also have a voice note that refers also to loopholes or rather issues with the system rather than just the employers so here's that voice note actually the main problem is not the employers that are not giving migrant workers jobs 
it is because previous the previous government uh, only give certain quotas to the migrant workers needed by the industry. For example, like if you apply for 20 migrant workers, they only give you approved for five migrant workers for you. But then after that, the sudden change, they, they decided to approve everything. And then the problem is they don't allow you to change your your requirement of workers. And then in the end, people needing five workers are approved for 20 and you have to either get 20 or none. So this is the main problem. That's why a lot of people are bringing in migrant workers and have no jobs for them. Rama, your response? There is an administrative delay that leads to issues. Uh, this is something that has been a perennial problem. The government must up its game. It must remove all these unnecessary hurdles that delay bringing in migrant workers. A lot of the processes are unnecessary or are duplicated. For instance, health checkup, one is done in the country of origin and then again here, and all those consequent delays. What we need to do is to develop an end-to-end -end single online system for approval. And that should be facilitated. I, I, I rarely take that point, that there is delay. But the point is this, if there is delay and there is no work, then the migrant worker should not be brought in. Why bring in, uh, due to this affluxion of time, there is a delay, and then the work is no longer available, then the employer should put a stop to bringing in those migrant workers. Do not allow agents to use that approval to bring in those workers and then try to outsource them to other persons. The other point uh, regarding your requirement of uh, you need five workers or you need 20 workers, they only approve five. Subsequently, you end up asking for 20, thinking that they're going to approve five, and then you get your 20. You should then go back to the approving authorities, and this is something that the government itself should do. I think there is no logic in the government not wanting to reduce the number of workers that you require from the time of application to the time that, you, that the workers come in. So this is uh, a matter that the government should view seriously. I take that point. And government should allow and facilitate on an immediate basis for reduction or for increment of workers. Rama, it's... Sorry. The Ministry of uh, Human Resources has to up their game. Hey, Rama, one of some of these problems are part of what's happening in the uh, country of origin. I know that you've called on the government to work with uh, the, those countries of origin and ensure that there's no abuse in the recruitment process, including the fact that agents are taking up front huge amounts of money from these workers. Uh, and so, you know, maybe uh, are loath to disappoint them and say, well, actually, your, you know, your permit's now been cancelled and have to return that money. I mean, what is in the current process and how would you like to see this uh, process improved on the 
on that end, on the recruitment in the countries of origin end? I think this is the elephant in the room, Sharad. See, one of the big issues that uh, migrant workers face uh, is this exorbitant and extortionate uh, fees that is imposed on them in the countries of origin especially. The international norm and the norm that has been accepted uh, in Malaysia is an employer pay principle. The migrant workers would not pay any cost of recruitment, what is called the zero recruitment fee. So this is important. Uh, that the government ensures that migrant workers who are brought in do not pay extortionate or exorbitant legal fees, uh, sorry, uh, recruitment fees. So what happens is that if that, hap if that happens, if uh, excessive recruitment fee is paid, that is an indicator of forced labor. So our government must ensure that the system in the country of origin complies with our requirement in the country of origin as well as in Malaysia. Employers should not pass on the cost of recruitment to their migrant workers. And we must also ensure that migrant workers are not exploited in the countries of origin. And this happens not with not many countries. There are one or two big countries who provide labor wherein exorbitant fees are collected. So we should go towards ethical recruitment of migrant workers. We should ensure that that takes place. For instance, uh, in Nepal, the system is robust, which ensures that minimal fees are paid. We also have the system in the Philippines, which, which ensures that migrant workers do not need to pay uh, recruitment fees. So these are some of the good examples in countries of origin. So we should ensure that our source of workers from the countries of origin do not pay these extortionate fees. And that must be the yardstick we must ensure. We should have our enforcement people, our labor attaches and whatever, uh, in those countries to ensure that this takes place. Rama, are you willing to kind of name those countries where, in fact, we have bad practices? I'm kind of going to go out on a limb and guess Bangladesh is one of those countries. Uh, you are spot on. I think Bangladesh is the main uh, uh, suspect. This happens in Bangladesh. I mean, it's a known fact. It's reported in the Bangladeshi media. It's reported in our media. People pay up to 20000 you know, in uh, recruitment fees to uh, go abroad to work. And that is extortionate and exorbitant. Do you think, though, that over the years, recruitment agents and local employers have in fact been incentivized to behave unethically because of these poor worker protections that are in place? Well, let me put it this way. Um, I wouldn't say they have been disincentivized. I, I believe the issue here is uh, one of uh, robust enforcement. There are shortcomings in our system. 
we do not robustly um, enforce the laws and policies in place. We do not have uh, a robust inspection regime. For the entire country, we have something like less than 400 labor inspectors. And that is for migrant workers and Malaysians. For a labor force of 15 over a million people, 400 people who are labor inspectors surely cannot enforce the law or ensure compliance with the laws. And these are some things that, this is something very important that the government needs to address on an immediate basis. Now, Rama, you know, we've been talking actually about uh, workers coming on in a, through a kind of a legal system, right? Uh, but considering the reality of the large numbers of undocumented workers that we have in this country, m- numbering maybe over a million, depending on the source that you go to, um, and the ease of exploitation that is kind of that exists, would you call for protections also of undocumented workers? And how would that look like? You, you're absolutely right, Sharad. I, uh, the, one of the biggest problems faced by migrant workers is the issue of the uh, non-documented workers in our country. The, um, the, the lowest end of that number is a million, as you said. The standard number given is uh, one-to-one, that is two million workers. Some industry sources say, and it was even a, a, a previous uh, human resource minister who said that the numbers were high as 5 million. But even if you take uh, a one-to-one number, which is the standard accepted, it is a huge problem. First and foremost, these migrant workers do not have any legal rights. They are prone for exploitation. Uh, number two, these workers being uh, are also prone to be victims of forced labor. And uh, obviously, it's also a security issue to have a, such a large undocumented population in our society. So these are real issues of concern. What we need to do is to ensure that the rights of this undocumented workers are protected to ensure to ensure that happens there should be an amnesty and regularization pro, uh, program government has had periodic programs but it has not flushed out the actual numbers so you should have a program with flexible conditions even to allow these undocumented migrants to become documented whether they have an employer or otherwise for a period of time before they get employment. So you should have flexible, uh, what do you call, uh, legalization process. It should be at minimal cost. A lot of them do not get documented or employers do not get them documented because the costs are high. With agency fee and so on and so forth, it comes to about four to 5,000 ringgit to get an undocumented worker documented. So that is a, a real issue that needs to be addressed. And uh, the other thing the government can do is to ensure that 
undocumented workers' rights are protected by giving them the right to access our labor courts for non-compliance of labor laws in our country by the employers. You see, by granting that, it, it's not uh, condoning uh, something that is illegal because they may have infract, uh, there, may, there may be an infraction of our immigration laws. But their work that they did is legal. They should be paid their wages. If they had an industrial accident, they should be paid compensation. If they were not paid their social security benefits, the employer should pay. So employers should be made liable for employing undocumented workers. So it is important to respect the work rights undocumented persons in our country. Rama, just to close off, I wanted to ask about the question of perception, right? Because for years now, foreign workers here are typically viewed quite negatively by most Malaysians. Meanwhile, unscrupulous employers are rarely brought up or or held accountable. Do you think these sorts of accountability measures that you're calling for will balance the scales? First and foremost, we have to remember that Migrant workers uh, are an important and integral um, sector in our national economy. They, they play a key role in some of the key sectors, be it plantations, agriculture, construction, services, and so on and so forth. So we have to, uh, what do you call, treat migrant workers humanely. We have to treat them with respect. They are our fellow human beings. We've got many hundreds of thousands of our own Malaysians who are migrant workers in Singapore, Taiwan, Japan, and other countries. So we, w- we should treat migrant workers as how we would want our own Malaysians treated abroad. We should do away with this negative uh, sentiment, this uh, xenophobia, and uh, this looking down on migrant workers because of, uh, you know, because they, they may be employed uh, generally in the low-skill uh, sectors of the economy, but that does not make them uh, less of a human. You know, we have our own Malaysians working in lower-skill jobs. So it's the most important thing, I think, is to treat everybody humanely. Rama, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you, uh, Shamila and Sharad. That was Datuk Sri M. Ramachalvam, co-chairperson of the Bar Council's Migrant, Refugees and Immigration Affairs Committee, weighing in on um, their call, uh, which is actually something that's been uh, also echoing what we heard from Human Resources Minister Stephen Sim, that employers should be held accountable for migrant workers who are brought in and then left stranded without pay. Let us know. Do you agree? Should employers be held accountable for this? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. So we have some thoughts that have come through. Um, Anil says, any company who has received the quota approval to bring in foreign workers and to whom the permit is issued under must be 100% responsible for the welfare of the workers. We need policies in place to put a stop to the blaming game once and for all. Why apply and justify for quota when jobs are not readily available? 
you can't blame the approving authorities. The other foreign workers issue is the accommodation standards. With COVID-19 moving into the endemic phase, the monitoring and enforcement has relaxed, uh, but not, uh, you know there's been a lot of fuss. Nothing gets done. Yeah, so I, you know, like uh, like you, Shamal, I I'm, uh, assume that we both not experts in this area. But if you know of people, you know, who come on these uh, work permits, you know some of the games that are being played, right? And so, uh, somewhat to your point, Anil, is that the idea is that, uh, and I think in fact, Dr. Rama just explained th- that sometimes this excess in terms of. Uh, people recruited are now outsourced. So somebody's trying to make money, right? Mm. The agents are trying to make money, and I think the agents are largely the evil force in this story. But the, the uh, and then and sometimes with, with complicity with certain employers, right, who have perhaps for whatever reason, these large quotas, they, they can bring these workers in on their name and then they just farm them out and they get a cut of whatever the agent's fees is. And so there's a huge machinery around, um, you know, this recruitment business. So recruitment business is the one that's actually, uh, in many ways, thwarting the government's, uh, you know, long-term labour policies. A couple of people actually addressing exactly that point about, well, there's money to be made and unscrupulous people... Um taking advantage of that. Madi saying, as long as we have agents and middlemen who earn tremendous commissions for labour requirements, we will have payments and other problems. Employment must be direct and employers are made responsible for all remunerations, just like normal employment. Agents working hand in hand, agents should work hand in hand with labour officers. This must be investigated. Meanwhile, Shan says, corruption money paid can't be refunded in both country of origin and Malaysia. The migrant worker problem in Malaysia can't be eradicated because of corruption. Yeah, so, you know, I agree, with, uh, agree largely with you, Sean and Marie, about the, the problem of agents. But, you know, I think that there are other problems as well in this country because the, there are moral hazards in saying that any worker right, if you take away the question of their citizenship, is tied to a specific employer. Yes, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So I know one of my favorite restaurants that I go to, the workers there, largely from India, uh, get half a day off every two weeks. That, that means they get one day off every month. Mm. If you ask your security guard in your condo how many days of paid leave they get, they will tell you zero. Yeah, one of my uh, one of the attendants that I regularly meet at a petrol station near where I live gets one day off every two weeks. And, and that's it. And his hours are from something like 7 a.m. till 9 p.m. or something. Right. So if you're an employer and you're used to uh, dealing with human beings in this way, that they don't get much leave or they every time they take leave, they have to pay for it. How will you ever deal with a local population? Yeah. You'll never want to recruit a Malaysian because you can't exploit a Malaysian that way. And so we have incentivized really unethical uh, labor practices in a way that is going to be detrimental to ourselves in the long run. That is all the time we have for today. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.